welcome to Rise and Shine, the podcast dedicated to women in home building who are ready to rise professionally and shine personally. I am your host, Abby Cornelius, and I am thrilled to embark on this empowering journey with you. Together, we're going to dive into the world of leadership, sales, mindset, results, and corporate climbing, all tailored to the unique experiences of women in this industry. Whether you're a seasoned pro or you're just starting out, Rise and Shine is here to provide you with actionable insights, inspiring stories, and expert advice to propel you forward in your career and illuminate your personal growth. So if you're ready to break some barriers, conquer challenges, and redefine success on your own terms, you are in the right place. It's time to rise, it's time to shine, and it all starts right here. Let's get started. All right. Welcome to another episode of Rise and Shine. I am so excited to have a guest here again. I am on a guest run, Leah, just so you know. Love it. And I've got Leah Garvin here and so excited to bring her to you ladies today because she has such a wealth of experience that just perfectly matches our world and what we go through. Leah is the author of a best-selling book and my current binge unstuck. It's got my lovely little bookmark in it. So I am going through that. Uh, She's a TEDx speaker. She is the host of a top podcast, which I highly encourage that you ladies tune into, follow, subscribe, all the things called Managing Made Simple. And Lee and I are actually going to be guest speakers together at the Entrepreneur Project coming up. So shameless plug. If you want to learn more about that, reach out to me uh, and I'll get you some info on that. But Leah, thank you and welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So excited to be here. Yes, this is going to be awesome. So I just, before we get started, just give everybody a little teaser and taste of your background and your experience, just to kind of know your point of reference, because it's pretty remarkable what you've accomplished in your career. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I um, come from working in big tech in the corporate world. I, I drove team operations across teams within Bank of America, uh, Microsoft, Apple, Google, and in that work, I really developed this passion for, you know, helping teams, helping make it easier for work it, to get done on teams. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, facilitating stronger lines of communication, supporting managers and how they communicate and delegate and figure out, you know, how to coach and empower, but really, you know, how to connect the dots between these two different, you know, managers and leaders and, and, and folks kind of at the ground level organization. And, um, and I did a lot of this work, as I mentioned, in, in big tech, working with product teams. And um, a lot of times I'd get the feedback, you know, is this HR since you talk about people a lot? And I'm like, no, <laughs> this is actually really like the how, how to get work done. Um, and I felt like, you know, eventually it came to a point where I wanted to, to bring this to the outside and this real focus on empowering teams and bridging communication between leaders and, and, and folks kind of doing the work, um, you know, how to support more organizations and really small business owners and getting that support where I think a lot of times, you know, we, we start a business, we build a team and we don't realize, oh, we are a manager or, oh, there is stuff to learn, or we've been promoted quickly, or, you know, we, we don't have that support yet. So, now uh, I am a business consultant. I, I am known as the team whisperer, <laughs> where I really support translating, you know, where are teams getting stuck and where are their business owners or managers and leaders needing something and how to make sure everybody's on the same page so more work gets done with ease. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I'm up to now. I do a lot of um, coaching and workshops and, and, and programs for larger companies uh, around manager development, employee engagement. And then for small businesses, I support business owners in, in really 
figuring out really how to manage effectively, um, streamline, set up and streamline their team operations in a way that just makes it easier for work to get done. hundred percent. Yeah. That's awesome. I love the name team whisperer. That's so great. <laughs> it makes me think of like the horse whisperer, right? like, <laughs> calm, the calm to the chaos that is a team yeah. and it's, it's important work. And like you said, I, I find that there are people who are, our leaders or business people who have this idea and they're like, I'm going to build this business and the idea is great and it's valid, but then it just crumbles when it comes to how do I actually get the support staff and they end up doing all the work and burning themselves Mm -hmm. out and they fall out of love with something that they were really passionate about to start with. And then there's also this dynamic in the world that I'm in right now, where these people are getting promoted, a lot of companies are experiencing a lot of growth and they're taking these top performers, these top individual contributors and saying, okay, now you're responsible for a giant team of people and they aren't giving them the tools they need to connect those dots. Like how yeah. do I transfer my knowledge, but also how do I not expect everybody to work like me and still get great yeah. It's like, I see a lot of leaders who get promoted and they're like, wait, nobody else works as hard as I do, or nobody else knows what I know. And and how do you transition that? So I think this is really important work. And I think it's the key to strategic growth. I think a lot of companies are going to see a lot of growth happen. And we've, you know, we've seen this time and time again, where companies grow too quick and and they do, they just kind of like crash and burn or really great teams that once were great grew so much that they lost the culture that made them great when they were little. And it starts to fall apart. Uh, So I I definitely want to talk about that stuff also, but I want to kind of go real quick, kind of back to where you once were with your book, Unstuck, because there's some really good stuff in this too. And for those of you that haven't seen it yet, um, the title is just Unstuck, Reframe Your Thinking to Free Yourself from the Patterns and People that Hold You Back. And I was just curious to hear from you. Well, first of all, anybody listening, you need to read this. It's hilarious. I feel like I know you just from reading this because Leah puts like her little side thoughts in the in the side or her little thoughts on the side of the book. So there's like these little asterisks everywhere. Somewhere you like quoted Mean Girls and I was dying. I'm like, <laughs> did she seriously just like quote Mean Girls? This is phenomenal. So it, Leah's got a great sense of humor and it's it's real life. And I think that's so important. So what inspired you to bring this book to the world? And what's kind of like your big hope for takeaways for women that read Unstuck? Yeah. So, you know, I, it's funny. I was thinking about when I started getting into doing more coaching and I was doing a lot of mentorship and a lot of reflecting on the experience of women in tech and women in the workforce, I kept finding that everybody was having the same experience that I was. And we all felt like we were completely alone. Mm -hmm. And yet we all were going through so many of the same things, like wrestling with all of these double standards that, um, that show up in the workplace, right? Like, you know, work hard and get visibility to your work, but don't be a show off. Don't be intimidating, right? Be assertive, but not bossy, all these things. And, and it was making us feel stuck, right? Like for Mm -hmm. lack of a better word. And I think, what, what I observed so much was, um, you know, because of these biases and double standards and expectations that, that are put on women more so than men. And I know men experience them too, but, but really in, in the corporate world, you know, much more on, on women, there's a set of things that we then start believing and subscribing to that make it even harder to, to break free of it. Um, and so it becomes just, like we got to change the system, but there's some things that we can do around changing our own perspectives. Right. Um, and so I, I started to, you know, 
capture, well, what are these areas that we're finding we're, we're getting most stuck? And then, well, what are some of these reframes or different ways of looking at something? And it's, it's not about looking on the bright side. No, it's about saying, okay, well, what else might be true here? What else is possible? And just opening ourselves up for more out there. And so, um, it was really important to me that the book was written in, in a way that felt like you're just talking to a friend. <laughs> like I love a hundred percent feel like that. And yeah, it does. I, like I said, like, I feel like I know yeah. you and you don't have the advantage of knowing me. Cause I don't have yeah. <laughs> like this, but like, I feel like I know you from this and it, and it also was this just like, it just felt good to know that like, you're not alone. Right. And that's why I yeah. love like, the work that I do with coaching clients. And as much as I wish I was, I was alone. Like I wish nobody else had to feel some of these feelings, yeah. experience some of these difficult conversations and yeah. situations. There is, um, peace in knowing that you're not alone and there's a way forward. There's a way through, there's a way to get unstuck. And so you yeah. share so many great tips in this book. And one of the things that you said, which as I'm reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, why is she saying this? So you talk about the book, How Women Rise, which I have back here. It's one of my <laughs> favorites. And you're like, no, this book is, you start by saying like you read it and you're like, this book is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but then you kind of like got onto it because it was challenging. Like it is, it's challenging concepts and it's challenging about like the role that we play in where we are. Yeah. And I think that's what I love about your book is that it's, it this concept of reframing, it's not butterflies, cupcakes, and rainbows. It's not avoiding the things. It's about, yeah. am I only looking at this from one side or is there another side to this situation that I need to be considering? And is there some ownership here? Like for yeah. me, I had a hard time self-promoting. I thought my work stood alone and shame on you boss for not noticing. And why do I have to keep, I, I always say, why do I have to keep proving myself? Why do I have to keep mm -hmm. proving myself? And it wasn't about proving myself. It was about advocating and about self-promoting yeah. and understanding that my boss isn't sitting next to me 24 seven and right. doesn't see all the great things I'm doing, doesn't hear all the conversations yeah. that I'm having. And that is on me to promote. And yeah. some male counterparts are better at that. They just are. Well, and, and, and finding I that balance. That. And, and I want to say with the, with the, how women rise, I mean, I think what, what I found was, and I really made, made sure to try to not do this in my book. And I try to not do this in, in the podcast is like oversimplifying that if you just put your work, if you just give visibility to your work, if you just right. build your network, because I think a lot of us have tried all of those things 100%. and we see like, Oh, actually this kind of made it worse for me. Now someone thinks that, um, I'm too, you know, promoting myself or like I asked for promotion and people were like, whoa, like rein it in. I've gotten some of the worst, most humiliating feedback, I guess I would say based on applying strategies mm -hmm. in like a how women rise. But it was that, you know, it's, there's, I think sometimes when we learn something, we go like really like, oh, I'm going to do all these things at once. And we actually don't realize like what's authentic for me what, what are the relationships I have with people that would like, what would this, would this thing resonate with this person or not? Is this the way to communicate with this person? Like, I think what I learned was, okay, use this as a tool in your toolbox, not like as a list of things I'm just supposed to go do. Right. And I think that's like a lesson to anything when we're reading a book or doing personal development or professional or getting coaching is like, and, and I think by being working with a coach, that's where you find what is that real balance of, Hey, I, 
I know I need to be more of an advocate, advocate for my work or um, a huge one that chapter three is about owning your impact. And that's one of the biggest ones I coach and do workshops on for women, which is like really owning the, the narrative of your impact, owning that story, really being able to advocate for yourself professionally. Um, you know, not getting stuck in either sort of like minimizing it or using we, or kind of like getting even too technical. Sometimes when we have a technical role, we it's very detailed. And then it's like, what's the forest for the trees. So, but that is going to be very, you know, to make that authentic and to feel like, okay, that's really my story. We have to find ourselves there. Right. And so I think that's something that we can miss when, um, and I think where some of these things can go wrong and then we can feel like, screw that book or like, Hey, I don't don't (laughs) like that advice. And I think it's like, okay, we're sort of, creating a, a body of knowledge and pulling, okay, what's, oh. what's authentic for me, but also what's the edge of the comfort zone when we hit it? Is it, why are we feeling that resistance or what is in that resistance? And then saying, okay, how much further can I push? Because I don't mean just not doing it. Right. And yeah. so we want to yeah. be pushing past that. Yeah. And, and knowing your audience. And it's so funny. My, my dad used to say something to us, like when we would get corrected in like a group setting. Right. So like if a teacher like pulled the whole class aside and had this heart to heart or like a leader in some capacity, or, you know, I've been on teams where like, you just have these like really tough conversations and, you know, you, you leave them sometimes and you feel like, oh my gosh, I failed. Or I'm, you know, where did I go wrong? Because it's this group feedback and you don't know what's what was meant for me and what wasn't. And my dad used to always say, take what's for you and leave everything else. And I think we need to take that with, with books. And even with coaching, I say this to my coaching clients. Sometimes I'm like, Hey, these are my experiences. They're not yours. Like if something doesn't sit with you, just leave it, like let it go. Because if you do try to square peg round hole it and try to take my, my approach to something, it may not, it may not go well. Um, but also not being afraid to go into conversations that you absolutely 100% have to have because it may not go well. You can't predict the outcome, right. but I love exactly. that concept of like, take what's for you and, and leave everything else. Um, just because a book has 10 steps doesn't mean you need all 10. Yeah, right? exactly. Two of those really important. crucial yeah. steps. And I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, delegating as, as we grow, like kind of figuring out how we, um, you know, navigate, well, what our role is and versus empowering our team members. And I think it's a parallel is, is with something like delegating and, and getting really clear on, you know, when we, when we're used to doing something a certain way, or we like something done a certain way, you know, what are those one or two things that, that really like, Hey, this is part of the essence that we need to see. And then what are the other steps that really can be more fluid and flexible and then setting expectations around both. Right. I think what can be, uh, delegating and, and, you know, sort of offloading this weight that managers and leaders are carrying is a theme that I've been really working with folks a lot through workshops and coaching and in the last few weeks. And I think there's this belief of like, if I delegate something, it's everything. I'm just like throwing over the fence. I'm like handing off my entire job. And it's like, absolutely. That's not at all what we're talking about here. Right. Just like, you're not absorbing the whole book of a training something. And so it's like, Hey, is there a piece of a process that you could delegate? Is there a meeting someone could shadow you in so they can see um, what that would look like? Is there a visibility opportunity that someone really uh, could could benefit from that, that you can find a way they get exposure through taking something on? Is there, um, 
as you're doing some complicated task or project, like, could you kind of map out, well, what were the steps you followed and why were these those? Maybe you make a Loom video kind of mapping out how you do something. Sort of setting the stage to be able to delegate is actually gives us a sense as leaders, um, what is the essence of what we do and then how we also would be able to hand that off. So that serves a number of purposes, right? Like creating your own narrative of like, oh, this is some of the secret sauce that I add to something, which is really important for us to know and, and be able to advocate for. And then also to be able to relieve some of that pressure of having to do everything. And I think, you know, one of the challenges that many women leaders face is um, having, again, a double standard that you're sort of like, the mental Rolodex, remembering everything that has to happen in your team, mm -hmm. maybe also at home, maybe if you have kids, now you're getting a triple threat. <laughs> and then, right. Yeah. Like then there's a, there's a huge emotional burden. I think a lot of times folks go more to the, the woman managers, if they're stressed or struggling or want a little bit of flexibility or, you know, want to have, you know, more support, like that is something that can often show up more for women leaders. And so you're caring more, responsibility of everyone kind of coming to you and, and expecting from this sort of cognitive load standpoint. Yeah. And I think that's where really both setting your own kind of emotional boundary of like, okay, well, what are the things I'm going to get involved with and not, and where are the things that I'm delegating not? And then also really getting good on, you know, bringing your own coaching skills in and empowering and uplifting others without taking it on that you're solving it for them. Yeah. That's going to be one of the biggest things to, to, yeah. you know, really refine tune. Yeah. I feel like when we take that burden of being the one that solves everything and I hear, I hear women say this a lot, like it just wouldn't get done if it wasn't for me. Well, it would, you do have to slow down sometimes and ask people, well, what do you think we should do? Even if you have the answer, this was like a great gift that one of my managers, uh, one of my favorite managers gave to me as she would tell us, bring me solutions, not problems. And so for every problem we brought, of course, she wanted to hear that, but she would not jump to solve it. She'd say, and what do you think yeah. we should do? Or give me two yeah. or three examples that you think one, it was a coaching moment for her to kind of yeah. get a sneak peek into our brains. It yeah. also allowed us to help be like our own advocate for the solution. You know, when you know the idea and you have a manager that quicks jumps in and solves it, sometimes you feel a little slighted, like, oh, I would have done totally. that. Or I thought that, and you didn't get the benefit yes. of sharing your good idea. So she opened this door to let us share our ideas, to see what kind of solutions we had. Oftentimes as field people, we're closer to the problem. We have a better sense of the solution than, than a removed manager would have anyway. Yeah. And then all she had to do was say, yeah, go. Or yeah. let me facilitate or let me stamp something. And it took all this pressure off of her where I think sometimes as leaders, we think that's our value. It's not. Your value is no. empowering people, not in being the person that has to be the linchpin to solve all these things. You actually slow business down yeah. drastically when everybody's waiting for you. And something else yeah. that you said that's so important is if you're able to create your your best practices or your standard operating procedures around even how you think sometimes this yeah. can take that pressure off. So in our world, yeah. Leah, when people submit offers on houses, there's like all these things that as a leader, you do mental checks, like what's the risk, what's the timeline, what's the profit? Like we have all yeah. these things that I have to check off. Well, for so long, people would bring me to offers and I'm doing all this mental strain mm -hmm. so that I can present it yeah. and I can say yes or no. And it would slow me down. So if I had three or four people coming to me, I have to run all this background kind of knowledge to be able to say, yeah. yes, I can accept it or no, I can't. Where yeah. finally I'm like, why don't I just tell my team what my guidelines are? Yeah. 
Like, why am I holding this hostage? Right. So I'm like, Hey guys, here's like six questions you have to answer for me to be able to green light this or red light it or give you feedback, but just saying, Hey, I have this offer. It's not enough information. So we ended up having like emails back and forth, phone calls, texts, whatever it was. So finally, I'm just like, Hey, here's a framework, answer these six questions, send it to me. And I can give you a quick yes or no. I was going like this. They were getting answers faster. They weren't losing deals because they were able to communicate quicker. And like, everybody was so much smoother, but this was me just saying, I don't need to bear the burden of this whole process in my head when I can just empower my team to start thinking like a leader, give them the tools. So they ask the right questions and then we get quicker yeses. Absolutely. And so, I mean, and this is a huge piece of my program that I do with small businesses called the ops playbook is figuring out with small business owners and and leaders, you know, what are the things that you can delegate, how to systematize that, like Mm -hmm. you did by mapping that out and then looking at, well, like, okay, now where do you want to be spending your time? Because a lot of times for business owners, we find that you having done those steps, like you're doing the kind of $25 an hour task when you actually could be spending time doing the thousand dollar an hour task or whatever it is. Yes. And just by delegating, you carve out you probably carved out, I don't know, three to five hours a week by doing that, that like you're empowering your team member. And now you're getting this time back for yourself that you can spend on strategy on growing the business on, you know, forward looking things. If you're doing client services on, on servicing, you know, high profile clients, whatever it looks like. And so this is for, for a small business owner where every minute, every dollar really counts, this kind of thing can add up so fast. And, you know, by, taking, maybe it's, you take an hour and you think, through, okay, like, what really do I think through, right? Maybe it's going to take a minute to, to map that out or to kind of try it a few times and stress test it. Yeah. It's, that's an investment of one or two hours. That's going to then save you dozens of hours, maybe a month. Right. So we yeah. really want to understand what are the things that are our really highest and best use. I think as, um, Allie Webb says, uh, you know, so that we're focusing our attention on the things that, that we need to. And at the same time, we're, we're empowering our employees. Like you said, like, Hey, now, now my team members know the thought process that I run through, you know, when, when I get a bid and, and how, Hey, they could actually eventually be making some of these decisions. And, you know, they're, they're now being able to be my, you know, I develop my bench now of leaders. Yes. I'm, you know, training a number two, whatever. and, And you're really able to scale yourself now. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that, um, I think sometimes we forget is that this highest and best use. And I used to say that to my boss all the time. I'm like, this is not the highest and best use of my time. Like I need to yeah. it or I need, like I'll even pay somebody yeah. at this point because like you said, these $25 an hour tasks do take up a lot of time and bandwidth. But yeah. I also think that a, a way for you to know that, Hey, maybe it's time to systemize is that you've said something multiple times in a week. If I'm having the same conversation with people on my team multiple times in a week, I'm like, Ooh, ding, ding, ding. Like that's my, that's my flashing light that it's time for me to put a system in place. And I know like team members get sometimes like, Oh my gosh, we have another system. Oh my gosh, we have another policy. But when they truly do help speed things up, you'll get buy-in you'll get buy-in as long as there's a benefit to them too. And so let me just pause on that because that's one of the most important things is if you communicate the why and what's in it mm-hmm. for them, they will get on board. And I mean, as someone that has like had a whole career on developing and rolling out processes, I will say, 
it's the process is never the problem. It's how it's communicated. Yes. How it's rolled out. Yay! That's great. And yes. so like the process <laughs> is about making things yes. easier. Yes. So that's the start of the framing. And, and when, when you're approaching anything and like, like you said, systematizing when you're saying, okay, you know, the, the framing is, Hey, this is a question all of you have. I want to make sure you all feel empowered. Yeah. Hey, this is something that I know is really frustrating about the way work gets done. I want to make it easier. Hey, this we're tracking work in this tool because I want to make sure folks are being paid fairly. I want to yeah. make sure we're charging our clients the right amount so that you, you know, you have, um, so that we can continue to, you know, have, give out bonuses and raises every year, right? Like yeah. frame it in what's in it for them and they will get on board. And then also look at, have I made this as simple as possible? And yeah. I mean, like, you will see overnight people adopt any kind of process when you yeah. frame it within for them, because yeah. why wouldn't they, it's something that benefits yeah. them. But, so. and I said, I said this recently to somebody I was talking with, I'm like, you can roll out the exact same process, two different ways. One will drive commitment and one will drive compliance. One will feel mm -hmm. good to the employee and another will feel like a burden. And it's the same process. It's all in yeah. that delivery. Exactly. If you go in and I'm like, Hey, I'm boss lady, Abby, here's a new policy. I need you to follow because I'm overwhelmed because I need visibility to this because I'm being asked questions. Nobody wants to do that. Right. But if I'm like, Hey, here's what it, here's this yeah. policy. It's for you. It's about you. It's centered around you. And Hey, pro tip bonus points, get somebody bought in before you even present it, get, a, yeah. get somebody on your team get that, that, insider. You can, that you can have like productive. I'd always had one or two people on my team where be like, Hey, we're going to roll this out. What do you think? What are initial questions come to your mind? So I can be prepared to handle yeah. those concerns, those objections, like prep yourself up for success, but then also get an advocate in the room who can be like, Oh, this is great. You know, and, and share their insights when they've had a day or two to think on it. So yeah. there's so many things we can do to help ourselves when we have to roll out these policies because they are they are meant to be helpful to the process. They are meant to be time-saving. And if they're not, then we need to throw it away and we do need to challenge it, right? Because we definitely can yeah. get process heavy with, with no benefit. But there's so much gold in that and just making sure that you as the leader own the why. Yeah, exactly. And I hear from so many people who struggle with their leadership teams and they're like, we don't, we just don't understand why we're doing it. It's not that we're trying to be difficult. We just don't understand yeah. why. And if they can't explain it, you know, I think that that's fair to ask in, in a respectful way. Right. Like, hey, and then we understand yeah. this. Yeah. And the leader, if you're getting resistance, that's your cue. You haven't explained the why or you haven't set expectations 100%. enough. Yeah. And, and so like, I mean, I think, you know, I've heard people say, oh, and you said kind of this, it's process just for process sake, or it feels like it's just for, it's like, there's, there's no, nobody just makes process for process sake. Like that's just something no, that's said. We've got like, better things to do with our time. Like, no one up. would ever do that. So when I hear that, I laugh because I'm like, who in what world would just make a process to like make things complicated? Like, of course not. Yeah. So that is a, that's just like a gap of, you know, a communication opportunity. Right. And so sure. it's like, Oh, ding, ding, ding. I got to be more clear or I have to make this thing easier. So there's two things there. Like it's an opportunity to simplify. I think every process should be always regularly, routinely looked at for ways to simplify. And then how can I communicate that? Why? And what's yeah. in it for them? If you're asking your teams for a status report, okay, that should, I, I feel like that's the most obvious one for a team member to be like, oh, my boss wants to know what I'm doing so they can amplify it, recognize it. No, people often think of status reports, just like some chore they have to do. It's like, okay, so yeah. sell that. Why this is so that I can get your work visible by senior leadership. Yeah. So we get more resources so that I can get you that promotion so that I can pay oh. you more. Like 
it's, it might be so obvious to you, but we have to say it all the time because I think all of yeah. us hear these things. It's like, why would that person think that it's, it's like, well, it's because nobody has explained to them the benefit to them. Yeah, and, we do. Yeah. Typically in, in our world, in the sales side of home building, we would do like Sunday night updates, right? The salespeople are out there, they're selling yeah. all weekend. So we would always ask like, hey, can I get a snapshot on Sunday night? Kind of where you're at, what's going on and what you need. And when I was selling, it did kind of feel like, oh God, I got to fill out this report. I got to fill out this thing. Because nobody ever explained to me how they used it. Yes. And I became a leader and I'm like, oh, I get it. Like I was such a jerk. I should have hopped on this sooner. I yeah. should have came so I started telling my team, I'm like, guys, look, like I'm in meetings Monday morning. If I know you need something, like I've got every single person in front of me who can help make it happen. So if you feel exactly. like your neighborhood started to tank or your community looks terrible, I'm going to have construction there, or you need this or that. Like I have the power in that Monday morning meeting to get you what you need. But if I don't hear yeah. from you until Monday afternoon, when you come back in and get situated, you know, we might have to wait a few more days. Like, yeah. and then everybody was like, Oh, I get it. It's not just being micromanaged. Like there's actually right. a reason behind this. Like that's to their benefit. So yeah, yeah. it's so silly how just these simple little um, communication opportunities exist yeah. that can level up not only just getting that commitment, but also like trust in the team. Right. Yeah. I feel like sometimes when we're like, I don't know what's in this, it's like, we don't, I, do I trust you? Like, are you yeah. going to be using this to my disadvantage? Are you worried? I'm not performing. Yeah. Like there's this fear-based thing, but when they can see how you're truly there to help them yeah. and serve them, you'll get way better response. Yeah. There was one thing you said earlier that I want to revisit because I think this is, this is really important, especially for new leaders. So you had said that sometimes you have to determine is the process like do it exactly my way mm -hmm. or is this just like a guideline for execution? So I used to call them like, I would say, hey, this is a non-negotiable, right? Yeah. Like we have to make X amount of calls or we have to do contracts this way because it's a contract. It's a non-negotiable, right? Yeah. Or is this a best practice? Yeah. Best yeah. practice is just like, this is us teeing you up for success, giving you guidance, giving you guidelines to we, we think that if you perform at this level, it will give you the outcome or result that we're typically yeah. looking for. So what kind of threshold would you give somebody to determine, is this a non-negotiable or is this a best practice? Because I find some people make everything non-negotiables with their new right. needs because they want it's everybody to do it their yeah. way. So like, how do you get out of claiming everything is non-negotiable yeah. and figuring out what's just simply a best practice. Yeah. I mean, I think one way is to talk to your team members about like, okay, how would you approach this? Sort of framing the problem space, framing some of the ways. Um, I actually wouldn't get too, in a conversation with them, I wouldn't get too prescriptive on here's the ways I've done it. Cause they might be signaling from you like, oh, you want me to do it that way. I'll just say, yeah, that's how I would do it too. So oh, I would yeah, actually- point. You know what I mean? Because they, yeah. they want to, they, they, they probably want to make sure that you think that you're right or whatever. You're the yeah. boss. Right. Yeah. So, um, what I would do is have prepared in my mind, like, you know, what are some of the, what are the things that I'm thinking are the non-negotiables in my mind? Okay. And then I would have a conversation with the team member and say, Hey, um, I, you know, for this project, I wanted to kind of talk about how you, how you want to approach it. Um, you know, here's what, here's what it is. And here's what success looks like at the end. So you kind of put the bookends on it. Mm. And then I would ask them, you know, I'd love to talk about how you might approach it. And so you may actually plant the seeds, give them some time and then come back together to talk about it. I don't, I wouldn't put them on the spot. Like it's a test or some or a job interview. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say, um, you know, frame in a conversation, hear from them, how they'd approach it. Say like, okay, well, what are some of the places that, um, you know, what are the steps you'd follow with some of the things? Here's some of the ways I want to be informed. And then 
that's where you can kind of see like how close are they to kind of like totally missing the mark or are they like, oh, this person totally would have solved it in a similar way. Um, and then I think that's the moment we can share, um, you know, well, Hey, I wanted to share some things that some learnings I've had from doing this in the past. Here were some places that we've gotten stuck. But when you, I think when you start to hear so how someone else would approach something, it also starts to open you up to the perspective of like, oh, wait a second, not all of this is non-negotiable. Um, and I think when we have no idea how our team members solve it, it feels like a lot more is non-negotiable. When we start to see like, oh, this is their thought process. They actually, they, they can think of these things in this way, or they have, or they've, they have some really cool ideas here. I think it can let us ease up a little bit. Um, I also would say, I think it's fine to have like, Hey, I'm going to hand this thing off the first time. I'd love for you to do it this way so that you can just have gone through the process and learn it. And as you're following it, make notes of things that you might change for the future and then let's review it. So I think, you know, if it's not, if they come to you and they like, I don't know how to approach it. Right. You know, like I don't, this is, this is new for me or sometimes they don't have an idea saying an alternative could be saying, you know, Hey, here's how I've solved the past. Um, just to kind of get you started so that you, you can kind of get some experience here. Mm -hmm. I'd suggest following these steps. Um, you know, this is just a, for the first time or two or three, as you're doing it, let's check in, let me know what feels like, oh, here's another way I could do this better or differently. Or, you know, here's a question that I had so that you can sort of allow them to build comfort and figure out how to do it their way. But, you know, they do have a clear starting point. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really good guidance. I love that concept of giving them the bookends. Like here's where we're starting. Here's what a good job looks like at the end. Yeah, exactly. You you create the path because this, again, just like bringing me solutions, not just problems. This gives you a chance to see their problem solving techniques and their pathways and help build trust. If they nail it and you're like, that's great. Or they bring you an idea that you never thought of before, then wow. Like you're seeing your employee shine and it helps trust you when they're out there on their own doing the independent work. Um, I also love the concept of let's do feedback loops. I feel like we don't do that enough in our industry. Like we're very consistent and like there is a policy, there's a procedure, let's just follow it. And there's not enough circling back and saying what worked and what didn't work. Yeah. And and should we keep this like guideline or is there maybe a better way? Because sometimes we're just so nervous to let go of the predictable results. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. In hope of maybe gaining better, <laughs> yeah. but you have to be able to take those little calculated risks from time to time, but you don't get that opportunity if you don't evaluate afterwards. Yeah, exactly. And I think too, you know, sometimes when I talk about this, people are saying, like, well, what if my team ever comes with me ideas and I, it's like, not good. I don't want them to do it that way. Well, the fact that you're having this conversation is where you can give feedback. So you can say, yeah. Hey, I think that's an interesting thing to do maybe in this situation, but for this one, this client really needs this kind of support or, you know, Hey, this one, this, this kind of work goes to the senior audience. So, um, that's why we do it this way. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't, and I wouldn't just say like, you're going down the list and shooting down all their ideas, but we don't just because we've asked them how to solve it. It doesn't mean we have to just say like, okay, yeah. even though if, the, if it come, they come back to us and it's like wildly going to not work, yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I yeah. think like yeah. that's yeah. a moment to have a conversation. Yeah. And so like, um, you know, I, I say that when, uh, if we're having a career conversation or we're asking someone, you know, to share what's gone well, or what are some areas they want to improve on? Sometimes mm-hmm. people don't 
identify the area that they really have to improve on. Right. Yeah. They come with this thing that's very shallow or surface level. And yeah. you're like, Oh, I really want to, well, the fact that you had a conversation and you've invited them to share, you can build on that and say, you know, can make it, make a leap. It's easy with most things to connect the thing they yeah. saw to something else. So let's say, um, they're really, um, you know, they, they come and say, Oh, I really want to improve my like presentation skills. A lot of people just say that because it's the easy one to do. Yeah. And everybody hates public speaking. For right. Exactly. Part, so that's an easy, yeah. That's right. an easy crutch. But you're feeling like their gap is really, um, they're not good at framing problems really in any situation, like when yeah. their emails and their res, whatever, then yeah. I think you can say, Hey, you know, the presentation, that's a great one. I think an area actually that would really have a ton of impact is starting with problem framing because that actually does connect that. So connect even the thing that you yeah. had in mind to the thing they want, and then talk about how you're going to support them in getting there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's really helpful. I think that this is just like one of those things that we have to be open to evolving and trying new things, even as leaders, right? Every person's going to be different. You know, I could have five people on my team three of them can say I'm a micromanager and two of them would be like, Oh, Abby's the best. Like she's super, you never know because everybody's personality is different on how they perceive things and and doing, doing these check-ins. Um, but also making sure that it's clear what you expect of people. I think uh, I had a run um, like in the middle of my corporate career where it felt like everybody was getting put on like performance improvement plans, like out of nowhere. They're like, I didn't even know I was like on the radar. Right. And then it became like, this is the time where managers were resetting expectations. And it's like, I think we should do that before performance improvement. Plans, yes. Right. Like if you, if you can't say I've clearly had this conversation about what the expectation is or what that front end and, and what those bookends look like, and then you're just going to like write them up. Like that feels terrible. Yeah. So somebody said like, when I was going to become a new manager, they're like, Oh, we're worried that you're not going to be good at difficult conversations. Cause you really like, I'm super empathetic. I'm very people focused. And I was like, Oh, quite the opposite. Like, I'm not going to wait until the last minute to have a conversation because I care about them so much that like, as soon as I feel like maybe I wasn't clear or maybe they're unsupported. I'm going to go into that conversation because I've just saw time after time, right. all these people getting like yeah. blindsided by they yeah. weren't performing well, or they weren't meeting expectations or they were doing the job yeah. wrong. And so like, what do you think about that dynamic of there's this expectation out here and now Okay, I'm going to call this, this is my new like kick. I'm on passive versus active leadership. So I think passive leadership is, hey, I've set these new expectations in my mind. Anybody that doesn't comply, I'm going to write them up <laughs> and then use that as my, this happens, Leah. I know your face, this happens, right? And I'm going to write them up because like, this is the way we should be doing it versus active leadership that says, hey, you know, team, here's a new, we've got this consistent problem. I feel like you're under supported. I feel like maybe I didn't do a good job. Like I'm, I'm so willing to admit like, Hey, I dropped the ball on this one. I thought we had a conversation or, you know, I didn't roll it out as effectively as maybe I should have with enough support. Like, let's go again. Like, how do you determine when it's time to, to really just reset? And and you're working with these teams who likely need a reset, right? So it can kind of feel like a reset of, oh, I've been doing this job for a year, six months, whatever that is. And now my boss is saying this is the new way or the new expectation. Like, how do you handle that transition when maybe it feels like we weren't focused on it before and now we are? Yeah. So, I mean, I think what what you said just now, like of, of owning the responsibility and taking, you know, and saying, hey, 
you know, I realize I could have been more clear here, or I've been thinking ahead at next year and really want to make sure folks are set up for success or, Hey, I've been looking ahead at our goals at next year. And here's some things that are in the market or competitors that like, we need to be more aware of. And so that's why we're changing. So like, again, it comes back to setting the context and the why, and also taking responsibility for, um, ways you could have, have done better. Right. And, and I think, you know, we talked already about if you're answering the question again and again, if you're having to explain something over and over, if something's not getting done the way you want a million times, like that's the key to you that you've got to reset expectations. Um, and, and I think, but the flip side, kind of what you're saying is if you've just set expectations and you realize something has to change and you have to do it again, two weeks later, own it and just say like, Hey, you know, I know we had a conversation and I actually was like, gosh, is this the right time to do this? And I said, yes. And here's why, here's why it's going to benefit you owning it and, and not kind of like shying away from the, you yeah. know, pretending it's not causing yeah. thrash or people aren't thinking something. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, I think this, this comes into play a lot of times on a team where, you know, maybe you hired someone to get things a little bit more organized or to change the way some things are working. And a lot of times that's, that, that goes really badly on teams because there's a lot of resistance. Like you bring in some new person, yeah. they come in guns blazing. It's like, um, to whip it into shape and everyone on the team's like, uh, no, we're going to actively reject this. Okay. Yeah. That's literally 90% of what happens because you haven't given that person air cover. So if you want to bring someone yeah. in like that, a consultant or full-time, the way to really set that up is telling your team members, Hey, I want to make this place better. I want to make sure I have a longer runway to support you, that we can promote people, that we can grow careers here. And so I'm doing, I am going to work with this consultant to really help me find opportunities to do that. Mm -hmm. Or I'm bringing in this director of operations or something like that, or whatever it is, uh, to really help me do that. Um, you set it up before that you, you hire that someone and say like, it's really important to me that the person really, you know, is supportive of how we work here, really upholds the culture, right? You, you talk about the values. And then when you bring that person in, you give that person a lot of air cover, right? You say, Hey, you know, Sarah's started on the team, you know, she's going to be coming directly to you. I, you know, she and I are in close communication, you know, she's going to make some calls in these areas. And I really want you to, you know, to really lean into that. So the people aren't triangulating everything back with you. Like yeah. Sarah asked me, this, I'm going to go back and check with Leah because I don't know if I want to do that. No, you got to like, remove yeah. those little things, yeah. but you see, there was a lot of pre-work to get there. And yeah. that's all what I think can get missed on a team. You bring in Sarah, Sarah's meeting with people and it's like, Hey, we need to change all these things. And they're like, no, I'm not listening to you. Like yeah. until the boss tells me no. And it's like, yeah. this is just a disaster. I've seen on so many teams. So like, yeah, and I've seen that, yeah. I've seen that show up, not even from outsiders. Sometimes that's internally, right? Like yeah. maybe a manager pulls a team player aside and is like, Hey, I'm really seeing you step as, up as a leader. Yes. I want to see you take a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more yeah. ownership. I want you to be a peer leader. And yeah. so I'm partnering you with this, not new person, but maybe less tenured person. And I want to see you, you know, take on like a mentorship role to them, but then they never talk to the person who's supposed to be the yeah, mentee. Exactly. And it becomes this like super awkward thing where then, you know, the less tenured person comes to their leader and like, why are they bossing me around? Why are they telling me what to do? And it's like, yeah. that should have been a three person conversation of like, Hey, yes. they've got tenure, they've got experience. I think they're a wealth of knowledge for you. I'm giving them a little bit more, you know, leeway to make decisions, to be like a little mini, mini me and say, yes, make decisions for this project. Um, there's not a title there, but they're just more tenured. And I think you have a lot that you could gain, right. And we're yeah, going to all exactly. be in communication. And I feel like that happens a lot in my world where, there's just 
you get this communication that you're the team lead or that we want to see you step up, but the other people are, and it's almost setting them up for failure because they oh, do for get sure. that instant resistance. And then you get them coming to you being like, why are they bossy? Why are they this? And it's almost creating negative feedback for somebody that you know is actually a really good leader, but it's like right. you didn't create the right environment for no. either person to succeed in that case. Exactly. And that, like you say, it sets the person up for failure. It, it happens a lot if you, let's say it's a team of peers and you have yeah. one become a manager. Right. That's a really common, common place 100%. this shows up, right? Is that the dynamics have changed, the relationship with the folks have changed. They need a lot of support to get through that. That's a really tough situation, especially if folks were friends on the team before. And, mm -hmm. you know, how do you really say, um, you've asked this person to step up as, as leader of this, like, you know, this is why I'm really excited about this. Really, really set it up because, um, yeah, it's, it's really hard to, move into that role and then also have to convince everybody that like you're, you know what I mean? To kind of, yeah. and so as a leader, you can really tee it up for that person and get them like 80% yeah. of the way there and then share with them, Hey, how, how have you approached situations where, you know, you've been, um, you know, you've been new to like new to managing or new to, you know, and, and like one, one thing, and I talked about this recently in an episode of, of my podcast, managing made simple about, going from managing peers to manage, you know, being a peer to be managing someone you were formerly peers with. And I think reminding it to the person that's going to be that manager, like to really own it, not be apologetic, not be yes. like, Oh, it's a little weird here. So like, um, no, be like, Hey, I'm really excited for this role. And here's how I'm envisioning it. And here's how I want to support you. Don't, don't let that person's little feelings of awkwardness sort of yeah. de decrease their credibility. Cause I think that's yeah. a real, um, yeah. And that can show up, especially if we're friends with folks or we feel um, a little bit of weird vibes, we can kind of yeah. like take the back for like, no, like it's all the same. Nothing, nothing's changed. And it's like, actually, everything's changed. Everything's changed. Everything's, everything's changed. changed. Yeah. I mean, I had that situation. They were, when I got my first leadership position, they were good because I transitioned there like three or four months before I got promoted. And they set the stage like, hey, Abby's joining the team. She's on a path to management. So I never came in like, totally BFFs, but I definitely still formed relationships, especially with the people I worked the closest with. And I mean, we talked about it. I, I yeah. mean, I just sat down and talked to them. I'm like, Hey guys, like I, you know, I want to be the leader that you need, that this team has yeah. needed, right. Cause I knew the pains that they had. I knew all that struggle. It's like, but for me to do that, that means I'm kind of out of some of the conversations and yeah. you know, especially boundaries around like talking about peers and like the, yeah, the right, drama right. circle, like you got to really stay out of all that when you're, when you're the leader. Right. But setting those expectations and asking them, how do you need me to show up for, for you guys in yeah. this team? And what expectations do you have of me? It started setting that separation because I was asking them as your leader, what do you need for me? What expectations do you have for me? You know, in the past, what leader, you know, leadership styles, maybe yeah. didn't work for you, what does work. And it it's resetting their brain where they're like, Oh, you're not co-worker Abby anymore. You are boss. And these are the new roles yeah. these are the new expectations. But I took the time to do that with everybody. And it, it does stink because you do kind of get out of some of the stuff, but you have to be okay with that too. That's part of, part yeah. of leveling up is, you know, they need to, they need to have time where they can bitch about boss or bitch about, <laughs> you don't have to be part of that, right? Right. Like, you may not be in that conversation anymore. That's all right. Yeah. And so I think that's another really great tip for those who are transitioning from individual contributor to team lead is find your new tribe because you can't continue to rely on your, your past peers, right? That you're just in a different realm. There's a different level of conversation that happens. So, so you need to find your internal, maybe other department managers and start forming mm -hmm. those relationships and bonds too. Yeah. 
Um, what do they say? Like, you know, when you can't dump in on somebody, right? So like, if you're having issues with your boss, you're certainly not going to go and complain to your employees. That's not great. So who's your new tribe of who you can kind of communicate with. And so it is resetting some of your, your work habits. Yeah. Yeah. As well. Well, very good. Leah, this has been a great conversation. I feel like yes, I could talk so to you for like fun. another, you know, many hours on I all know. of this. Um, but if if anybody wants to reach out to you, connect with you, where should they go? How can they, how can they connect? Yeah. Yeah. Head to my website, leahgarvin.com. So that's L-I-A-G-A-R-V-I-N.com. And there you can learn about my ops playbook program that I mentioned, which is really supporting small businesses in managing their teams and streamlining team operations. Um I do one-on-one coaching. I do, I do programs for teams, like a lot of manager development trainings and employee engagement. Um, check out my podcast, Managing Made Simple, uh, that offers tons of actionable tools and strategies for managers in any sort of industry or environment, small business owner to the corporate leader. Um, follow me on Instagram, leah.garvin, or uh, reach out on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I, you know, hope everybody listening has a great day. I hope you had some great takeaways. I know every time I hear from Leah or listen to her podcast, I'm always sure to walk away with a few nuggets. So do follow her, get in her world. Um, She's got some really great advice out there to continue to help you on your leadership journey. All right. Bye for now. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Rise and Shine. We hope you're leaving today's conversation feeling inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to make a meaningful impact in your career and life. Remember, your journey is unique and every step you take brings you closer to your goals. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a moment of empowerment and share with a friend, somebody who you think may benefit from this episode too. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, insights, and even topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes by connecting with us on social media or leaving a review. Your feedback helps us tailor Rise and Shine to meet your unique needs. Until next time, keep rising, keep shining, and keep making your mark in the world of home building.